What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. I'm excited that you've been tuning into the Family Matters series. Listen, when it comes to family, there are a lot of different dynamics. There are different personalities within our families, experiences. There are many challenges that arise within family. And so my prayer, my hope is that you're able to listen to something that benefits you and blesses you and your entire family. What threatens families and their legacies, and again, I, I, I took some time before last week's message to really, to really, before we got into the message, to break down this concept. Because this series, again, can be triggering because we think about our family dynamics and the brokenness of our families. And, and so oftentimes, people can misinterpret whenever I'm giving a message uh, because they're focused on their current circumstance. And really what I want us to do is to look beyond the current circumstance and dynamic of our family and hear the word of God and by faith believe God for something better within our families. Now, some of you may say, I'm not connected to my family. I don't have blood family that I'm connected to, but I wanna let you know that you have a church family. So, however, whatever makeup uh, you have within your family, however you make up your family, whatever dynamic you have, maybe you have friends that you consider family, this is something that speaks to you within that context. Uh, whether it's relationships that you have, your marriage, I want you as you hear this message to put it within the context of what you consider your family to be. And also the context of a church family because everyone in this place makes up the church family. So as I mentioned families, whatever context that's in, here's a couple things that I believe threaten the family dynamic or relationships in general. The first mindset that really threatens, harms, destroys families, marriages, uh, friendships, relationships, is the mindset of accommodating. Tolerance is at the forefront of that mindset. In other words, this mindset of accommodating is when there's injustice, when there's disconnectedness, when there's lack of unity, when there's conflict, when there's lack of communication. When you accommodate or just tolerate that, that harms or threatens your family dynamic. That's the mindset that says, it is what it is. And as we mentioned last week, if nothing changes within your uh, attitude, within your mind about your family, nothing will ever change. And so accommodating is just simply saying, well, it is what it is. There will always be issues in communication. There will always be issues with conflict. There will always be issues with a lack of unity. Always, see, this mindset is very dangerous when you fall into this mindset. There's another mindset that we can fall into that can be dangerous and can be a trap, and that's the mindset of withdrawing. When you choose isolation over connectedness, when you choose separating yourself over staying close to a church family or to your friendships or to your personal family, to those dynamics. Whenever we withdraw for whatever reason, that can be dangerous to a family and the dynamic 
of your family or even the legacy that you want to leave for your family. See, legacy is something that goes beyond you. So at, when, after your generations, and if you're single in the house, and if you're not even in a, in a relationship, uh, or you just got married and don't have kids, I still wanna speak this into your life so that you can get a picture of your future. And so you got, you've got to start thinking with a mindset of legacy. What do I wanna leave with my children? Although I don't have children, I wanna start thinking. I wanna start believing God. I wanna start getting a vision of what my future will look like. For my children, my children's children, and they're moving forward. So there's are two attitudes that affect families and their legacies. It's the attitude of accommodating, tolerance is at the forefront, and it's the attitude of withdrawing. So the opposite of these mindsets then is in order to change these dynamics, in order for us to leave a legacy, in order for us to have healthy families, show of hands, how many want to have healthy, thriving families in the house? Let me know, raise your hand, let me know, I'm not talking to myself. You wanna have a healthy, thriving family. All right, so how do we accomplish that? How do we get to the place of having a healthy, thriving family? We must, and write this down if you're taking notes, we must engage and not withdraw, and not simply accommodate with status quo and saying it is what it is. We must engage, and how do we engage? We engage with, here it is, with love. With love, with love, with love, with love. Love, 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 love. I know we speak about this often in the church, but this is a topic that we constantly have to discuss. We constantly have to look at in the Bible what love really is because many have a concept of love. I even think we did an entire series dedicated to what love really is, but this is what it boils down to. In order for us to engage and have healthy families and whatever, uh, whatever dynamic that may look like for you, you must have love at the forefront of those relationships. If there is no love, there will be no health, there will be no success, and there will be no prosperity. That's why the Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's saying here, a new command I give to you. Here's the thing, that, that word new is a bit, it gives a different uh, implication in the original language because see, this wasn't really a new thing. They had heard this, but he was saying, he was saying this word new as if, as if it was revolutionary. So when Jesus was saying, a new command I give you because they had the context of the law, so they had laws and rules and regulations. What he was doing, he was saying, this is what it really boils down to. If you wanna really love God with all your heart, if you really wanna be my disciples, here, here it is, here it is, a new command, a revolutionary, dynamic command I give to you. I'm going to sum it up for you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are what? What does the Bible say there? We have it up. What does it say? That you are my disciples if you love one another. So here is, here is the tool. For us to have thriving families, for us to have success in our dynamics, in our marriage, in parenting, in being grandparents, in whatever context you want to, in being a part of a church family, there's got to be love and we've got to love not our way because we love a certain way. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We love our way and we, we have a way of showing our love. But in order for us to have true success, we must love like Jesus loved. 
and how do I love like Jesus? And now I know, I, before you shut me off in your mind and saying, here we go, because this is, seems impossible. That's easy for you to say, Pastor. You don't, you don't know what my family dynamic is like. It's easy for you to say. Listen, I'm not saying it's easy. It's very difficult to love like Jesus. It's challenging to love like Jesus. So for a moment, if you will, let's say that we are on a journey together to strive for this. We're, we're in this thing together. We are fighting for this together. How do I love like Jesus? How do I love? That's the question. He's saying love one another. What does that love look like and how do I do it? Here we go. Let's get into it. I want to give you the first point that I have for you today. I want to share three points of how to love like Jesus loved. The first point I want to give you today, in order for us to love the way he loved, we must follow his example. We must follow the example of Jesus. In order for us to love the way he did, we must follow his his lead. In order for you to lead, you must first follow. Are you still with me today? Say yes, same. Give me a good churchy amen. Let me hear you say amen. All right. See, I don't know about you, but I can't trust someone who's in leadership who's never submitted to following someone. I can't trust someone to lead me. I can't, so, I can't trust someone to be in leadership when they haven't submitted to followship. I don't know if that's a word. I just made it up. Preachers always make up words. <laughs> I like it, though. It, it, it flows well. You can tweet that and quote it and Instagram that under your caption. You can't be trusted in leadership unless you've successfully submitted to followership. And can I tell you, in the generation we live in today, following is something that's looked down on. Everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to be a boss. Everybody wants to be independent. Everybody wants to be the go-to person. Everybody wants the title. And it's something that's looked down on. But when I look at scripture, there is value in following. How do I know this? First Corinthians chapter 11, verse one. I don't have this on the screen. Just listen to me as I say it. First Corinthians, just listen to me. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse one. This is the apostle Paul who had seen great miracles, had built and lift and raised many churches, was a great pastor, evangelist, teacher. He was a great apostle. He flowed in every, in every function and role in ministry. He was a prophet, he was a teacher. And he said, follow my example as I follow Christ. He was submitted to leadership. He says in Ephesians chapter five, verse one and two, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly beloved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice of God. There is value in following and submitting. We often look down and say a person that follows is inferior, but here's the reality, here's the reality. I always say this, it takes courage to follow. See, if you take a step and you're leading me, I also have to have the courage to take the step along with you. I may not be at the front, but I still have to take a step. And so it's very difficult for people because they want to lead and be at the forefront. But the reality is there is value in submitting. There is value in following. And so if we want to have success, we've got to follow and imitate and look at the way Jesus loved and say, that's the way I want to love. You know, I used to say, there, I used to say there's a saying that goes, you can't take me somewhere that you've never been. You ever heard that saying? You can't take someone somewhere that you've never been. And I used to say that a lot, but then I started really thinking about that saying. 
And the reality is, with technology now, you can actually do that. You couldn't do that back in the day. Take somebody somewhere you've never been. But now we have GPS. Are y'all still with me? Y'all following me? Now there's maps, now there's all types of, here's the thing. You can take somewhere somewhere you've never been, but you can't show them around. You're gonna catch it. I know, I know, I know, making you think a little bit. I can take you to France, but I wouldn't know my way around there. And we live in a society where everybody knows it all, but there's no depth. Once you take me to my place of destiny, you can't show me around. And we're following people that can take you somewhere that are trying to lead you, and maybe you had bad examples growing up. When you look at the dynamics, your neighborhood, your family dynamics, maybe you had bad examples and they led you somewhere, but there was no depth into where they took you. There was no real love. There was no real substance. And so God wants to say, listen, you may have grown up a certain way, but I don't want you to follow that example. I want you to follow the example that I have set for you to love the way that I love, to lead the way that I lead. Now, if there was good things in your family, absolutely take that. But we learned a lot of junk growing up or am I the only one am I the only one I I, I learned some real terrible things (laughs) growing up in my neighborhood within my family and so when I came to Christ I said no I need to scrap those things that I learned those things that are not healthy those things that don't help me those things that hold me back and I need to follow the example of how Jesus Led And let me tell you, how did Jesus lead? He had no problem submitting fully to God. That's why in the Bible, in Ephesians, it talks about, there's a particular scripture that a lot of people use and they take it out of context and, and, it, and it's quite funny because when I see people preach on this and teach on this, how, how often they get it wrong. There's a, there's, a, there's a particular scripture where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Right, that's the one that the brothers always like, praise the Lord, amen, pastor, get him. She needs to yield, submit, and surrender to me. And then in the same verse, it says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so people use that out of context. They don't, you know, they try to to help the brothers out. They try to help the brothers out. I I, I know what them pastors be doing. They try to help us out, you know, because we get beat up, you know. I love you, baby, but you know. But when you really look at that verse, it's talking about mutual submission. It's saying, wives, submit to your husbands, but it also says, husband, love your wives. That word love is the Greek word agape because there's four different types of love in the Bible. There's storge love, there's eros love, there's philios love, and there's agape love. Eros love is romantic, desirable love. And then you have storge, it's family love. And then you have philios, that's family love, brotherly love. And then you have agape, that's godly love. So he's saying, husbands, love, agape your wives. That means it's sacrificial. That means you are willing to give up your life or willing to make changes in your life or willing to go to the highest mountain and willing to go to the depths of the sea. That's what it's talking about. I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm going to love you. It's unconditional. It's unchanging. So it says, wives, submit 
But husband's love is talking about mutual submission. As we submit to God and we totally depend on God within our family, that's going to unify us. That's going to bring us together. When we seek God together, that brings us together. The family that prays together stays together. When we, when we submit our lives to God, we become more connected within our family. That's the kind of love that is speaking about. When you submit, that word submit, people, people just look at that and they just, they just get it all wrong. When you, when you are submitting, what you're saying is, I'm part of a submission. In other words, we are, excuse me, I don't know what that was. We are, we are on a mission together. When you submit to one another, when you follow each other, you're saying we are a team. I'm not thinking as an individual, I'm thinking as a collective. I'm not, I'm not self-seeking. I'm not, I'm not thinking about just myself. I'm thinking about the team. How can we succeed? When you, when you submit, you're saying I'm happy when someone else succeeds. That's why when somebody is blessed in this church, you should celebrate them. You should applaud them. When you somebody getting a promotion don't get mad get glad and say that blessing is coming for me soon when you see somebody succeeding whether it's your husband your wife whether it's your friends don't get mad just celebrate what because because we are in it together your win is my win and your loss is my loss and so we're gonna pick each other up because we are submitted to each other and submitted to God so we bear with our discomforts, with our trials, with courage. We submit to one another. We are part of a submission. We are part of the mission of serving God together and following God together. Jesus had no problem submitting. How do I know that? He said, everything the Father asked me to do, I do it. He was submitted. The Bible says that Jesus didn't take advantage at the fact that he was the son of God. He didn't look at, the, at that as something that he was boastful about. The Bible talks about that he would serve people. Are you serving within your family? The Bible talks that he would give sacrificially. That we wouldn't have a problem feeding the multitudes even when he was tired. He had no problem ministering to people even though he was exhausted. He had no problem uh, washing the disciples' feet. He had no problem because he was fully submitted to God. Now, is that the dynamic within your family? Which it is, it's rhetorical. That there's submission, that you work together that you serve one another, and here it is, and when you serve, you're not expecting something in return. I know I might have lost most of y'all. Let me come over here. I'm gonna wash the laundry, I'm gonna wash these clothes because I want something in return. Let me come over here, let me. <laughs> I'm gonna do everything on this task list because I want something in return. No, no. Real love is saying, I'm not expecting nothing in return. And see, that's the way that Jesus loved. Do you know that Jesus served thousands upon thousands? He loved thousands upon thousands of people. He gave everything to his last drop. He gave it to thousands upon thousands. And you know what they did with him? They crucified him. That's his love. And, and he's saying, I know this is hard. But this is the way I want you to love. I want you to love your family. I want you to love your wife. I want you to love your children. I want you to love your friends. I want you to love the church family in that way. That's the example that we should follow. Let me give you the second point. In order for us to love the way Jesus loved, we must build on his foundation. 
We must build on his foundation. We must build on the foundation of Jesus. I often talk about this concept of structure. How important when you want to structure something, when, you, when you're going to build something, how you need a strong foundation. And a lot of the brokenness within our marriages, within our families, within our parenting, within our friendships is because we never truly had a solid foundation. Getting married just for the kids is not a solid foundation. Pursuing a career because someone told you to do that as opposed to that being something within you, your vision, your, that's not a solid foundation. Pursuing things that we want to do because of the opinions or basing our actions on others, that's not a solid foundation. Within our families, we struggle whenever there's a lack of a foundation. And here's the reality. And I want to really, I, I really want to break this down to you. And I want you to hear, really, really, really hear me. A lot of times we struggle with this particular part, with loving the way Jesus loved because of the brokenness that we come from, as I mentioned earlier. Whenever you've been marginalized, whenever you've been abused, whenever you've been mistreated or rejected, you have a misconception of what love is. Because oftentimes you receive this treatment from people that was supposed to love you, and so you think that the way that they quote unquote expressed love to you was the right way, and so a lot of times, unhealthy, toxic ways, we think it's love, and it's not really love. Are you, are you with me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Someone who's been abused, rejected, they think that that's normal. They think that that's all right. And in fact, when true love comes around, people who've gone through these traumatic things, they run away from at the sight of something real and they run to the things that's unhealthy and toxic because they say, man, if it don't look jacked up like how it was when I was growing up, then, then that's not love. And so in order for us to love the way Jesus loved, we've got to scrap and do away with that mentality and that mindset that you're gonna replay your family dynamic. Man, I wanna speak to you and I wanna declare to you, you, you are not your father. If you was a good man, praise the Lord, but can I tell you, you're going to be better. If you didn't have a father around, I'm declaring to you, you will not be that. You will be a present father. I wish I had some men in the house that would really represent today. Women, you are not your mother. You, you had a wonderful mother, praise the Lord, but can I declare to you, you will be better. And if your mother was disconnected and she mistreated you, she spoke negatively about you, you are not that because the Bible said that in Christ you are a new creation, that your foundation in the past is not what you will be. God says there is a new foundation for your life. You are new. See, that foundation that you grew up with, that was a, a, that was a foundation on sand. So whatever you try to build in that, it was always going to break because it's not solid. But God is saying, Christ is saying, I am the rock of your salvation. I am the foundation. I make things new. And can I tell you what your foundation is? That you are loved. 
I spoke about this in the, in the identity series, but let me repeat uh, some scripture for you. For those that weren't here, I, I wonder, kind of like a foundation has to be on concrete and there's bricks and things that really build a solid foundation. I want to just, I want you to just hear it. And as I'm speaking this, I, wanted to, I want you to really believe that this is for you because this is what the Bible says about you and how much you're loved. And, and here's the thing, in order for you to give love, you have to receive this love. Some of us didn't receive the love we fully needed growing up, and so we're at a deficit. We can't give because, because we didn't get that love. And, and so Christ is saying, I want you to know that you are loved now. The Bible says, listen to this, this is your foundation. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. The Bible says this about God's love for you. Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's God's love. It's a non-condemning love. With everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. God has compassionate love for you. I am convinced that neither death, nor love, nor angels, nor demons, the present, the future, any powers, nor height, nor death, or anything else in creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Praise. Thank you, Lord, for this love. This is what the Bible says. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is when you are forgiving and good, O oh Lord, abundant in love to all who call on you. Is it all right if I keep going? Are you receiving this today? The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at us. We are called children of God. Great is your love reaching the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the skies. God has said, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. Are you still with me? For God has loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so those who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It is by grace that we are saved. How How priceless is your unfailing love both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wing God's love is great for you and so that's why we struggle because we we tend to remind ourselves about the lack of love that we didn't get from our friend the lack of love we didn't get from that family member that relative or how they hurt us but here you are neglecting that there is a God that is in heaven that created the heavens and the earth and he's saying listen they left you they forsook you but I am here with you I love you and I will never let you go that is your foundation now In order for us to love like Jesus, we've got to build our relationships on this love. On love that is compassionate, on love that is non-condemning, on love that is uh, uh, non-wavering and non-changing. This is the foundation he's given us today. Not what Uncle Pookie taught you, or Tia Juana, with all her foolishness. Forgive me if there's if y'all got a Tia Juana. I'm just using any random name. <laughs> when you get a hold of God's love for you, it's going to radically transform your relationships. When you really grasp his love for you. Because that love, it gives you an assurance. It gives you a solid foundation. There is nothing better that you can do for your wife, husband, there's nothing better that you can do for your husband, wife, or, 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 or as a parent, or as friends, as within your 
relationships, then really embrace the love of God and implement that within your family. That's the power of God's love. If we want to love like him, everything that we build in our relationship should be based out of that. Because otherwise, we're trying to build relationships, family, on sand. And eventually, you can build and build and build, but eventually that foundation, baby, is going to collapse. Let me give you this third thing. Are you all doing all right? Am I helping anybody today? Praise the Lord. Let me give you this third thing. In order for us to love like Jesus loved, I like this vibe. I got my chair out today. I said I want to sit today. I hope y'all don't mind that. Number three, we must utilize his power and purpose. In order for us to love the way Jesus loved, we've got to follow his example. We've got to understand submitting. We've got to build our relationships and our family dynamics on his love, but we also must utilize his power and purpose. The Bible says back there, you don't have to go back there, but the the Bible says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Our ultimate purpose in life, for those who are believers in the house, our ultimate purpose is to become mature disciples. Not just wear that title of a Christian by name. Anybody can say, I'm a Christian and not really live that way and not live as a believer. I'm talking about being a disciple because when you're a disciple, you're a student. You're a mentee, you're a pupil, you're a disciple. You're saying, I follow my my master, my teacher's lead. I follow his ways. That is the ultimate goal of life. That should be all of our purpose. And here's the thing, so often, we don't realize or we underutilize the power that is within us that he's given us through his Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter five, the Bible says that when you come to the Lord, when you give your life to Jesus, through his spirit, there is a seed that he plants within you. And within that seed, there is the fruit of the spirit, that it will produce the fruit of the spirit. And the fruit of the spirit is made up of many aspects, many facets. One of those aspects of the fruit of the spirit is love. But so often, we don't live in love or or do things out of love because we don't utilize or develop that seed that is within our hearts, within our minds, within our spirit. And not using God's spirit within our relationships is like paying for electricity but not turning on the light. Imagine this, you pay month after month, especially with these hot summer days, right? Those that gotta pay them utility bills. Imagine this, the concept of this, you pay your bill, but but you walk at home in the dark. You're not utilizing what's been given to you, or what's been paid for, rather. Not utilizing the power of the spirit is like drowning and there's a life jacket right beside you. It makes no sense. So there is, and oftentimes we say, you know what, I don't see these things in my life. The question is, are you utilizing that power that is within you? It may be in seed form, it may be small, right? But the more that you water, just like a seed, you gotta water that plant. You gotta tend to that seed. You gotta nurture that seed. So it is so with the seed of the spirit. For us to produce fruit, for for, for us to produce love and joy and kindness and patience, all these things that's part of the fruit of the spirit, we have to develop, nurture it, and practice. In other words, you can't pray for patience and then when an opportunity comes for you to utilize patience, you don't practice it. Are you still with me? 
Lord, give me patience. And then a trial comes. You're like, Lord, I don't have the patience. The seed is in you. You've got to practice it. The greatest athlete in the world, what do they have to do? They've got to practice. The greatest singers in the world, you see them performing there. It don't come easy, baby. There's no app for this. For us to live with love and give love, there is no app for it. I wish that there was an app for, for it. It would make things so much easier. Have an Uber for patience. Can you imagine that? Yo, deliver me a large side of patience and love to not kill these kids, <laughs> to not stroke, uh, strangle my, 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 my spouse. You know, it's like you wish it could come in an app and you can have it hand delivered to you, but the reality is when the opportunity comes, you have to practice it. You have to utilize it. So whenever you're in a trial, you've got to change your mindset and saying, God, why me, why now? Instead, change your, pers- your perspective and say, God, how can I grow from this? How can I learn from this? How can I become better? How can I utilize the power of the Spirit within me? The Bible says that when we are weak, we are strong, that the grace of the Lord is sufficient, that the power of the Spirit, we, are, we have power to empower others. And so when, when we're talking about love, you have to utilize the, the, the Spirit that is within you. When your spouse or your kids are acting crazy, you got to utilize that, the power of the Spirit. When, when somebody's uh, uh, fussing at you, criticizing, putting you, 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 you got to go to that closet and say, Lord, help me. Call on the Spirit because then you'll start to get that strength. Then you'll get the help that you need. Say, God, I'm calling on you because I can't do it on my own. I want to kill somebody right now. I want to cuss somebody out. But the Spirit is saying, no, don't do that. Just call on the name of the Lord. Those that call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, they will be saved. I wish I had somebody that has that testimony. You ever want to cuss somebody out? But the Spirit of God said, no, hold on. Y'all not going to keep it real with me. That's all right. You ever want to strangle somebody? Holy Spirit is like, no, hold on, why? Because that's the power of God that convinces you, that convicts you, that restrains you. You've got to use that power to love. Real love. See, when we don't utilize this power, it's like puppy love. Anybody ever had puppy love? Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say puppy love? You still with me, puppy love? You know what I'm talking about? The elementary, middle school, high school days you have puppy love? Puppy love is, is the opposite of mature love. Because mature love, real love is about action. It's an action verb. If someone tells you they love you but there's no action attached to it, it's not real love. If someone says I love you, with their words, but there is no deed that is attached to it. There is no action, there is no verb. It is not real love. And when, we, when we're loved by God, we have no problem loving the poor. When we really understand the love of God, we have no problem loving people through our serving. We have no problem forgiving. We have no problem loving with our words. See, you've got to put this real love that God has given you in seed form, in your heart, and your spirit. You've got to put it into practice. And how, how is love spelled? How do you spell love? How do you spell love? The word love. L-O-V-E? No, it's spelled T-I-M-E. Okay, I got one every seed. Thank you. Love, you spell love, 
how do you spell love? L-O-V-E? No, no. You spell it in S-H-O-W. You've got to show it. You've got to express it. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, if I speak, if I know, if I have faith, if I give, if I sacrifice, but do not love, I am nothing because real love has action attached to it. That's mature love, much different from, from puppy love. You know, there was an old song, and I know, I know the youngsters here, y'all, y'all don't know about this. Y'all just listen to Takashi and, and, the, and the new Drake, you know, and Lil Uzi and all them, and Tribute Red, XXX Tentacion. There was an old song, it said, Ain't no mountain high enough. Y'all don't know about that. I'm old school, man. It's a song about love, right? And it talks about that there, there is no place that I wouldn't go for your love. <laughs> you know, when you're trying to enamor or fall in love, you know, you have those kind I'm with you. I'm going to just put myself out there as a baby. I love you, girl. I'll go to the highest mountain for you. I'll go, I'll cross any desert, any ocean with no floaty. I'll swim that thing for you, girl. There is nothing I'm not willing to do. You know, but when you have mature love, you're actually willing to do that. Puppy love says, says I love you. I'm willing to go to the highest mountain, the depths of the sea. But as soon as it starts raining, you're like, "Uh, I'm gonna take a rain check. See, what had happened was, the way my umbrella is set up, I can't weather this storm. When it gets real, that's when people start jumping the ship. That's puppy love. One day is here, the next day is not. Mature love says, I'll go that extra mile for you. Here, here it is, catch this. I'm gonna help my singles out. Because if he's saying, she's saying she love you and there's no action attached to that, there's no real commitment attached to that, you're just wasting your time, your money, your energy. You know, you're gonna look back at that situation like, why in the world did I waste my time? <laughs> Y'all not gonna keep it real with me today, but you know, I'ma still preach this thing anyway. Mature love says, I'll make a sacrifice. I'll make a commitment. I have no problem making a commitment because this love is real. See, Christ's love was committed. When he said, I'm going to give my life, you know what he could have said? You know what? They starting to beat me, and this is kind of hurting me right now. They ridiculing me, and all I did was try to help these people. I, I, I think I'm going to just go ahead and call it quits right now. He said, no, 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 baby. I love these people so much. I'm going to give my life for them because there's a church called Hope Center that they're going to need my love, and I'm getting, I'm getting ready to show them how much I love them, that I'm willing to give my life. I'm going to sacrifice it all. I'm going to go to the depths just to show them I love them. And in our family dynamics, we've got to have this love in the mix. Pastor, that's impossible for us, within us, as humans, absolutely it's impossible. But here's the thing, the benefit and the difference, the advantage that we have, we have God's spirit. 
And when we have God's spirit, his spirit within us gives us power. That's why the Bible says, I gave you a lot of Bible today. I hope you're receiving this word. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, it says, uh, 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 it says wait on the promise the pow- that the power will come upon you. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you. There's power. He gives us power. And, and I used to look at that, at that scripture and, and we used to misuse that and thought it was power to do all types of different stuff. Listen, the power it was talking about is power to love. Power to serve, power to give. This this is what the power is talking about. It's to love. We have the power of God within us, but we have to utilize that power in our daily living. Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience. But let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at myhopecenter. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.